Walking Through Glass, the podcast, the podcast where you are invited to ear hustle on an intimate conversation between real women as they discuss their journey, joys, and diva hacks. I am your host, Dr. Dina C. Brown, executive coach, international best-selling author, and bold woman walking through glass every day. Walking Through Glass is about the struggle we face on our journey, which I describe as walking through glass. Our conscious conversations are all about real talk with real women that are doing their best to navigate fear, anxiety, depression, imposter syndrome, limited beliefs, negative self-talk, and other BS, you know, belief systems. Welcome to the show. I am so, so, so excited to have an amazing guest with me today. So welcome, welcome, welcome every person who's listening to the show today. Today, I have Miss Malika. Is it Pegge or is it Pegga? Because I have different people who have a <laughs> and they, they pronounce it differently. And I thought, oh, it's Peggy. Yeah. And I said, okay, so I have to ask her because... I'm like, I have another friend who's named Deborah Peggy. And I was like, okay, so let me check. So Malika Peggy, yes, she's also known as the unstoppable mom and is a United States Air Force veteran mother and an upcoming motivational speaker that focuses on the challenges of motherhood by primarily campaigning against and for mental health awareness and domestic violence. While raising three daughters as a single mother, Malika advocates domestic violence prevention and women empowerment. Originally from New York City, Malika earned her associate's degree at the City University of New York, Queensboro Community College, primarily concentrating on the study of psychology. That's what we have in common is that love of the brain, people. And Mm -hmm. she currently, right, pursuing her bachelor's degree at CUNY Queens College, studying neuroscience and therapeutic recreation. Everybody, welcome Malika to the show. Yay, yeah, welcome. How are you? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you. Hi, I am so glad to be here. And I really appreciate this opportunity to be able to talk to you all. This is actually like one of my first few times being on a podcast. So this is like such a new and interesting experience for me. But I am so excited to get my thoughts out there and have this conscious conversation with Dr. Dina Brown. Yay. I Like I said, I'm so excited. I was so excited for today to even happen. And particularly, I wanted to get your take because you're such a thinker. And of course, you share the love of that brain space um, with me. And you're such a thinker that I, again, you know, I'm going to ask the question of, again, when you think of walking through glass and even in related to hearing it for the first time in relation to the show, what did you think about it? What imagery did it conjure for you? So when I was thinking of, first of all, I love the idea and the phrase walking through glass because I feel like it gives you such a great mental image of the pain that it must be to walk through glass because, you know, everybody knows you don't punch through glass because taking your hand back out, you know, you're scratching everything. There's always some bleeding and a lot of damage. So like you're, you're visualizing yourself walking through glass, your whole body. So you're going to have some type of trauma on the body, some type of damage, but it's just the progress of being able to go through this force, this, this, breakable force that was trying to stop you, but you can visualize your goals and dreams ahead of you through this glass. And you were just so determined and so ambitious to reach that, that you literally force yourself through this pain and this transformation to evolve and to reach your destination. And I feel like that is such a great symbolic way uh, and metaphorical way of presenting your struggles and your success story. Oh, that's so good. I'm like, I'm so glad we got that on recording. That's powerful. I got to figure out how to use that. A new bonus question. Of- <laughs> I, I, you kind of got the hint when I was talking before the pre-show in our virtual green room. Is that, what would you say is your glass? Okay, so this is something that I really, really have to put mine to because I have a lot of glass everywhere. I guess I went through several glasses, <laughs> but I feel like one That's glass mine. is motherhood. Like, <laughs> yes. And so trying to establish your pace and your tempo, your strategy of motherhood is one hardship that you have to go through, being able to balance multiple roles, you know, like, because you're not only just a mother, you're yourself, you're your own being. And then if you're a wife or or a girlfriend, then you have that romantic relationship that you have to upkeep. And it's just being able to balance all of those hats on top of being a mother. That's kind of stressful. Being able to focus on your mental health at that too, because sometimes we have this habit of choosing our children, choosing our spouse over choosing ourselves, And we tend to neglect ourselves, and that ultimately will deteriorate your relationships with your children and your spouse. If you don't focus on you first, because you know, that, that saying happy wife, happy life, um, or, or so however you like to dictate any type of rhyming phrase or whatever, but it starts with you. Your happiness dictates your behavior and how you express and react and connect with the people around you. Uh, Otherwise you just have negative energy. 
But one glass is the motherhood. The second glass was for me, a big one was domestic violence and finding that courage and self-love to be able to get myself out of the relationship. And it almost felt like me detaching from a whole identity. And so I felt like pulling away from this individual that I was so connected to for years, it, it felt like there were so many pieces of me that was so intertwined with that person's identity that I didn't know what was him or what was me. And I had to redefine who I was. That took some time. I had to um, hit rock bottom, which is not a bad thing. I was talking to a few people and I tell them all the time, hitting rock bottom is the best thing because there's only one way up and that is up. And, and then you have the ability to start over from scratch. Literally every opportunity that is available to you, now you're not limited to what you can do. You can do anything, everything. It's, it's kind of like when you move to a new house or uh, or let's say you have a new book or anything new. And you're like, oh, this is a huge project in my hand. Now it's like, do I get pink curtains or do I get... Um, this new rug because I didn't like the old rug. You know, now you have new stuff that, and you get to celebrate the newness of everything. And so everything becomes, um, even the smallest accomplishments become something super huge to you because it's new. It's something that you love and it's you. And so the, the domestic violence part, I had to build myself. That was painful. The healing process is is painful, but so necessary, which is why I encourage therapy, especially in the black community. And so you have the therapy portion, the healing portion, the building your identity, the being able to acknowledge and accept what happened, happened, and um, to not doubt yourself. And there's this gaslighting aspect of domestic violence that happens sometimes, but your reality is the truth and you should not doubt yourself. So that whole process was literally several glasses that I had to shatter through. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. And, and so the motherhood piece, especially when you are, building a plan and a program to thrive. Um, I love when you said the part about finding courage and self-love in the midst of domestic violence situations or after leaving that um, type of a situation and really beginning to reframe your family. Because now you're a single mom and you have three amazing girls and um, it's you not only looking at who are you in this mist, but who are they becoming mm, yes. of your growth in those relationships? And so that's you know pretty powerful. And so I applaud you in, in really making the steps and, and taking the steps and the shifts and the power in the therapy piece. And it, therapy is okay. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to get help. Phenomenal answer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for just such a heartfelt you know, response, because I could just imagine what it's like to have to reframe your I am pretty much is what I'm calling it 
as a as a mom and as a single mom and having three, you know, daughters, I had to do some reframing as being a mom of a son of a boy, and mm-hmm. and it was it was just unique and a little bit different because it was about building bridges and mentorships and and relationships and having him understand, you know who he is and how he is. And, and, and so you walk a real slippery slope with that being a boy mom and being a single boy mom, um, because yes. people say, Oh, happy father's day. No, I'm not his father. I can't take the place right. of his father. I'm his, right. I'm his mother having to level up. That's what I am. So when mm-hmm. you think about that and how have you had to do some reframing and, and how does that align with your big goals and your big dreams that you have for you and the girls? Well, that I completely, completely relate to everything that you said about, you know, being um, about not having that father role there and people saying that you have to take the father place. I can't I can't replace the father role being a a mother. And I'm aware of that highly. So the first thing that I concentrated on when I was on my own with the girls is I need to form a community and community is everything. I feel like who you expose your children to, they learn from. And it was about, it was a matter of finding those right individuals. And collectively, we would be able to provide support and some type of education, nurturing, love, all combined together. So I have really great friends that I surround myself with um, that have their own personal struggles that understand mine as well, males and females. I have family members who are very involved in the girls as well. And so every day, every holiday, they are still interacting with these individuals and I plan for this to be a lifelong thing. They have an amazing godmother who is very involved in their birthdays and 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 anything like the childcare and she calls them as much as possible so that they remember her face because my children are relatively young, like they're under school age. So um, they're still kind of picking up on faces and, and identities and everything. But community is the number one thing I, I feel like all single mothers need. And that's something that I've been working on as well. Um, so I would kind of, focused on with balancing multiple hats and roles and everything is I needed to identify other single mothers who are going through things because that's one of the resources that I wanted to tap into because since I'm a new single mother, I know that there are other single mothers out there who are strong, who've been doing it on their own for a while. I was able to learn and pick up some skills and, and resources and traits of other women around me. And so I developed this Facebook group and it's single moms of New York City. And so I started to meet other single moms and we were kind of forming this kind of system together where, for example, um, when I was a military spouse, and I used to form these play dates and these parent night circulations, like a, kind of like a, a calendar where uh, one parent group could go out and someone else will watch their children. And it was a rotation where we can see visually where your children are going to be, what relationship they had with that family, and, and so on and so forth. So I'm using those same skills that I've had being a military spouse, and I 
implemented them with the single moms of New York City. And so unfortunately, we won't be able to kick this off until the pandemic is over. But it is planned that whenever we need a break, one of us single mothers will be able to take in someone of someone else's children and give that single mother maybe four hours to themselves or so. And these are the things that we need. I look at the the areas where we struggle the most, and then I try to find solutions. I'm all about problem solving instead of self-loathing. Oh, I love that. I love the whole concept of that rotation piece. And, um, for me, I had a village, I had an ecosystem because initially I was a geographical single parent because my spouse was located in another country <laughs> and, <laughs> and I had that village mentality. It just, Xavier truly was an international village child. And I, one of my fondest memories was I had to go at the time I was in charge of school improvement. I was a school improvement um, specialist. And I had to go to Okinawa for a week to do a site visit, to do an accreditation for a school. Mind you, he was still a baby and I was having moments. He was, you know, he was probably only a few months old, mm-hmm. but um, I had, it was a whole situation, but I had to go. And so I remember his um, godparents were like, we're, they were in Singapore at the time. Cause I was in Korea at the time. And mm-hmm. um, they were in Singapore with also his other, you know, godmother. They were all traveling and I had to leave like that Sunday to get to, to work. So they created this whole plan. It was so hilarious. Now when I think about it, I know I'm so blessed. So I remember Holly and Swink, who are um, just for reference, like, so you can understand why I say a global community and family. People don't have to look like you. Holly and Swink, who are Caucasian, they picked Xavier up at 6 a.m. because I had to go to the airport. Mm-hmm. And, so, <laughs> and then his mother, her flight got in um, in the afternoon. And so she was going to pick him up from them in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Once she got in and got settled, she had his stuff. And then, because I was gone for the whole week on that, she had him for the weekend. And then mm-hmm. his got. Doreen and Spencer, who we spent the most Mm -hmm. time with, they picked him up on Monday and had him for the week until Mm. I got back. And they just passed him off and had his stuff. And it was, it was was, amazing that you had that support. That is so great. I have phenomenal support. And the thing is, now, here's how extra special my community was is that, with the exception of Holly and Swing, because at the time they didn't have kids, Dia had her own car seat. And baby carrier. Oh, wow. Green had their own car seat. So I didn't have to worry about carting. Like you have to, literally, they just passed the baby and they all had their own diaper bag because <laughs> oh. they didn't like to share. They were so extra. And so they <laughs> had their own diaper bag. He had supplies at every oh, person's so sweet. It was passing the baby, literally, and maybe whatever immediate things that he needed. And so he had this whole village of love. And and so that is important. I love what you're doing and I love what you're creating. But here's mm-hmm. the part that I wanted to ask, and I bet some listeners are kind of thinking about and wondering, how do you vet these moms, especially when we're dealing with um, 
situations and people who might not be as savory as we imagine, because to me, our greatest gift, our greatest joy, our most prized possession is our children. And if someone hurts my child, I promise you, every family member, please get your bail money ready or your escape (laughs) helicopter. So so how, how do you, in building this community, how do you deal with that? Do you answer that question? Have you guys addressed that? Because now is a perfect time why they're not able to move around. Military community was different because your kids kind of played. Well, same and different. They played together. They went to school together. You know, <laughs> it was mm-hmm. the families were so, you live next door. You guys had barbecues right. together. We, you were always together. So you did get a chance to see what life could be like in their home, you know, in their home. I say get a chance to see because sometimes there are things going on behind the surface. So now mm-hmm. with the single mom space, how are you projecting or planning on dealing with vetting the moms who want to participate um, and holding them accountable to do their part in the group? So when I started this, it was initially a group of my immediate friends that I Got already it. have built relationships with know their children and they know mine and then so how it's starting to begin to grow is if someone knows of another single mom who is a close friend of theirs that can come in so the way i envision it mostly happening is you would it's not like um a a family is going to be given to you and delegated to you it's usually like a a close friend who's going to take in your children and stuff on the schedule so even though there's a circle of us there'll be several sub circles of smaller cliques and communities that trust in their friendships and and so forth and so what and then also the group allows us to actually get to know each other and uh gives us a lot of you know relationship building friendship building exercises as well as um we're we're trying to put together a calendar of events where it's not only the rotation of nights out that the single mom gets but we're also trying to put together brunches where we can hire a babysitter that we approve of collectively and we'll be able to go out and have um, brunches together as women, uh, maybe a night out, a dinner or something, or some type of event where the mothers can have time to each other as well as play dates and, and such. I but, um, can I say I'm falling more and more in love with it? You truly are the unstoppable mom. <laughs> And I love that. I love, love, love how the thought process and that connectivity, because that's what we did. I mean, historically, that's what we did. That's going back to our roots and our truth. And, and we did. And so that's why we always had a lot of play cousins and aunties and, and et cetera, Mm -hmm. et cetera, um, to have. And so I love that you're doing that. I love that you're expanding. I love the fact that you're saying that my circumstances and my situation will never dictate my future. Right. Yeah, that was I very love, important to me. I love that. And and that is part and parcel why the launch of FutureCast and the vision behind FutureCast is so important um, of what I'm what I'm working on like right now. And what I'm so excited you know, to be able to share is that when I set in and thought about this, and this is going to be really relevant to you. You'll see in a minute is that when I thought about what is life going to be like, now we look at it and we talk post COVID because people mm-hmm. had to make sure 
in their business and their lives because it really shook people and helped see where their foundation, if it was solid or not. And so right. you don't necessarily have to change your goal, but you're going to have to revise your plan. Right. Okay? <laughs> because life is going to be different. Life as we knew it will not be the same. Period. With the tea. I can imagine a uh, face mask being a fashion statement. I can see Gucci coming out. Right. <laughs> Here's how the irony in that is. We think about certain cultures who have face coverings and you want to laugh and joke and, and ridicule those people. Now what? But I'm not even going to go there. But um, right. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> and now it's a fashion statement for you. But here's the, the point of that is that with future cast there's I'm bringing together 20 amazing dynamic powerhouse phenomenal um, women leaders who are going to be sharing future projections recommendations in their areas of expertise this group of experts are going to be sharing everything from you know business and banking to designing all kinds of stuff but the mm-hmm. beauty of this after future cast which is planned for um, July 23rd through the 26th it's a virtual summit it's love free. It. It's a free love virtual it. summit. And this stuff free. is so young and so good. But mm-hmm. here's the here's the caveat is that if people want to have lifetime access, if they want to catch the replays, because they'll have to catch them live, or they can have to, or they can buy like the replays that are gonna be there, is that I've created and just being inspired by women like you, the Dare to Dream scholarship. So all the proceeds from the summit <laughs> goes to the Dare to Dream scholarship fund. And what this fund uh-huh. will do is that women who gives them an opportunity to dare to dream and to apply for a Dare to Dream scholarship, to do something they've dreamt of doing, it doesn't mean that you have to start a business because I didn't like the fact that we often would place in, again, it has its place when you have certain scholarships and grants and they want women to go through tons and tons of paperwork to start a business. But there's women out there who aren't dreaming and they don't dream of starting a business. They dream of going to the spa. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You dream of going to a fancy brunch and getting yes. dressed up. And so yes. that's what the Dare to Dream scholarship is really for. What do you dream? And mm-hmm. what have you dreamt of doing? What if what what have you always wanted to do? But financially in this season, you wish to do. So maybe you want to take a cooking class. Maybe yeah. you want to go parasailing. Maybe yeah. you want to go. You see, this dream scholarship is going to be unlike any other that I know of. Because it's saying to women, yes. So that's why I'm excited about what you're doing with your moms. And I said, I totally see how this would be an opportunity um, to apply. And so depending on what is raised, then I'll have like breakouts of how much. And this is part of my philanthropic arm of the leadership movement. And so it's starting now with this future cast summit. And I now found that niche of I give to nonprofits, I donate, I sit on boards, I do all that. But I kept saying, what's my value add to the industry? And nothing resonated with me that I was I could just get excited and just believe in, like with all my everything until right. now. Because mm-hmm. I said, I don't want limitations. If you said, I've always wanted to get some fancy nails, mm-hmm. but I've always... <laughs> And, and whatever you, the what the money has to go to yourself. You cannot give it to your kids. You cannot, it cannot be for nobody but you. 
it, it has to be on this. Yeah, sitting <laughs> and thinking on this. I think, first of all, that is amazing. It's an amazing opportunity for women. And initially thinking about it, uh, with my mom community, single mom community that I'm building, um, if I was to apply to that scholarship, this would be, if I could probably start off with some type of um, nonprofit organization with single moms, because I feel like there's really not enough of that in in New York City at that, because the reason why I came up with this idea of the single moms of New York City was when I was living upstate New York, I was in a mom's club. And um, I believe there's an organization, a formal organization of a mom's club. And to create its subgroups, you have to apply and then you establish one in your community. And I realized there was none in New York City. The closest one, I believe, was like in uh, Manhattan or so. And it was very small. And so people really didn't have the means of traveling that way. And then also, I think single moms are very much different from mothers who are married and everything, their needs are different. And uh, mothers who have um, husbands, spouses, they have a little bit more of the support to help them with raising the children, a lot of time and everything. And so most single mothers that I know of my immediate friends were all going to school. And so school um, schedules became an issue. Nighttime working is an issue. Childcare is a huge mm -hmm. issue. And so I felt like this group needed to be catered to a certain demographic of women so that they can benefit the most. And um, I know financially also being able to do some events with each other might be a struggle because some of these women might not have the extra finances, the budget to cut out a, a night at city island to have seafood or something. And so like if we have those funds to be able to discount every time we go out, so that everyone can have a break and enjoy it and be able to afford it, that would be something great for everyone. And even though I, I'm aware, I remember um, being in the shelter, one of the counselors, when I was sh um, stressing my concern for women in the shelter and how there's not enough resources for them to be able to build themselves and to be able to, um, there's not enough support it's just the shelter systems in New York City happen to be horrible with helping people. It's just more so if they just provide the shelter and then you just stay there and rely on public assistance and do everything on your own. And so when I was uh, stressing my concern with this director, she said to me, she was like, you just need to worry about yourself. Everybody will figure things out. And it stuck with me when she said that because that's not the type of person that I am. I am completely capable of focusing on myself and getting myself together and pinpoint and recognize how this is the system is not helping every woman because if I'm having trouble with the system, it's impacting everyone. And if my daughters were to be in the system, my mother, my sister, my cousin, anybody I know, a friend was in the system, I would want them to have those same benefits that I'm getting myself. So if I can help myself, I can help the next person next to me. And so that's why the single moms club is important because while I need the support, I'm also building a community to help me and help other women. So we all have each other. And that is the biggest thing for, for me. I love that you're not only building um, a community, I am going to add and up level what I see just from listening to you. You built an ecosystem. Mm, yes. And, <laughs> and <laughs> right? Yes, yes. 
Right. So not only are we here to support each other is adding into the community, whether I know that you mentioned you have like the Facebook, um, group is using the tabs to create space and information to how to access certain resources. Yes, so, and using yeah. the resources that you, you personally know, or you get experts to give, or cause you, you are a beast at like research and bring that information <laughs> and say, here's where you go. And here's how you do this. Here's some information. So I'm not going to fish for you, but I'm going to teach you how to fish, but I'm going to tell you which lake to go to. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so right. that, that's that other opportunity because I will say is that there are resources out there who will, they can tap in to get money for babies. To go, go. There's, there's stuff out there, but people are usually limited by their access to information. So here's yeah. where you have a unique opportunity right in a line to who you are and what you love to do is to bring the resources and the information as an info mompreneur mm-hmm. <laughs> to help yes. them learn how to help and access and then for them to pay it forward and help others and bring and grow that group. Because although I I don't agree and I don't condone necessarily um, what the counselor said, just worry about yourself. But there is a part in that that is there's a truth. Right. Is that people have to then buy into saving themselves. They have to become their own cheerleader, their own superhero, or they will become a constant victim. And what you never want to do is enable when you're trying to empower. Right. I love what you're doing. I love you have all the tenants and the elements that are there and putting them and giving them access to them is a great first step because as you still raise your girls and as you still do what you're called to do, what you don't want to do is spread yourself so thin that you're back into that cycle. Mm-hmm. Right. Where and that you have now um, poured more <laughs> into someone else's purpose and performance and progression than you have into your own. So that is really, um, I, like I said, I love this whole mom, I, I think mom's group because it, it really well, it's a, Oh, it's great. Right. You, you're right about that. And I have already put a lot of thought into that because um, being very empathetic and being that type of person who is a helper. I know that sometimes people with these type of personalities can often find themselves in situations where they're being taken advantage of. And so in therapy, one of the things that a therapist would tell you is you have to make sure that you set boundaries. And Mm -hmm. so you have to have limitations with how much you're giving and, and then also, you also don't want to interrupt someone else's growth by not only enabling, like you said, but it's if you're constantly force feeding someone, they just never learn how to make it out there on their own. And part of adulthood is being able to, to problem solve and find your own path in your own way. And so, but that's re- the reason my main biggest thing is that my 
biggest frustration with this whole entire system with women who have faced domestic violence and ended up in the shelter system and had to go on public assistance and start over is I was having trouble initially finding resources. And when I was asking for resources, nothing was actually being given to me. Like even in the shelter that I was staying at, they don't, they didn't have, you know, normally when you go to a doctor's office or college, you have one of those clear shelvings that's on the wall with pockets where there's brochures and pamphlets and everything where you can walk by and say, oh, information, let me take this, let me take that. There's nothing like that there. But yet there's tons of resources and programs out there to help individuals in situations like my own. And so it took me, um, first, there was a sense of defeat at one point. And there was the self-loathing and the crying in the valley, the low point. And because I was so determined and ambitious, I went and I was just Googling and making phone calls and doing as much possible to see what was out there. Because I knew I heard from people that there's this, there's that, and this is from my community and my support system where people were giving me word of mouth. But then I had to find the link. I had to find the literature. And once I was able to find that, that's when I started going into my beast mode and I was applying for everything. Even in being in school, I was applying for scholarships, writing essays back to back. I had nothing but time. And especially being in quarantine, I'm at home all the time. So I was making sure that every moment of the day, I was doing something to better myself for the future. And I was working on self-development every step of the way. And, and in the process too, I did do self-care. So it wasn't only just hard work. You still have to make sure that your mental health is good by some self-care. I just have to add that in there because it's, that's important. But once I was able to find the resources, I realized how much was out there that was hidden. People don't open up about what's out there. And I wish there was something easier where people could find it because I, I'm not saying that I would do the forms and fill it out for them or sit down and a lot time of my own to get the documents and write the essays. I, I won't be doing this for people, but I think literally people are limited to the access to this information and something needs to be done to get that information out there. And that's, that's what I want to do. I want to be able to give individuals that information and so the links or the literature where it's there they can take the time out to read and again it puts no time on my part except to develop the website or or the Facebook group and put that post that information there but that's pretty much it and even in the group on Facebook social media is full of resources and information I don't have to post it I just set up the group and maybe someone else has information and they can make a post and then when you go to the search bar in the group and you type in let's say domestic violence every post that has been submitted by every member by uh, with the subject of domestic violence will pop up and then so people can do their own research and it's all in there so I just want to centralize everything that you need right in one location for women I love it. Like I said, it's mm -hmm. so well thought out. It is so just, again, in the midst of everything, your true character shows up, who you are. So I love to share this when we're live. And so if everybody can take and do a quick visual with me, is that picture a glass, a cup, a mug, but I love 
a clear glass. Think about a short, you know, four ounce glass and put a little bit of water in that glass and visually put that water in the glass. And what I love to share is that 50% of who you are is who you're not. And so you have to get very clear about who you are because here's the moneymaker. Here's the tweetable moment. Here's your mega takeaway. When life shakes you and tosses and turns you, what's inside of you will come out. So if you had that glass in your hand and it is shaking and being tossed and the earthquake and the tsunami, what's coming out of that glass is water. Not orange juice, not apple juice, not wine, but it's water. So what is in you in times of trial and tribulation and challenge is going to come up to the surface and spill out. And that begins to show you the true measure of your character and who you are. Now, if there is something that is coming out and you don't like it, fix it. Okay? Because that's you, boo. It's you. So you have to kind of be able to see that. And I said that to say this, Malika, and all that you've been doing and everything that you've been through and all of the moments where you've questioned and doubted and you, and you challenged yourself, what I have seen in you is the same thing come out of you no matter what has happened to you. And that is what you should stand on when times get hard. You are a leader, you are an organizer, you're very caring, you're compassionate, you're strategic, you're a thinker, <laughs> you're a mobilizer, you're a connector. And like your tagline says, you're an unstoppable mom. But more important, you are an empowered and powerful woman. And that continues to show up in everything that you do. Thank you. I think that there are a lot of women who share the same characteristics of, of me and they're out there. And I like to say that it's usually, especially in my circumstances, I am a survivor of multiple traumas in my life. And some of them were uh, less traumatic than others, but I feel like with every trauma that had taken place, there was a healing and you kind of get used to the coping. You know, you, you find your the coping mechanism that works best for you. And for me, what brings me joy, seriously, what really truly brings me joy is impacting someone's life in a positive and beneficial way so that they don't have to feel how I've felt in, in my past. So if I can be that cushion, that pillow, that, that safety net in some way to help you out in a time that you're, that is foreign to you and you have no clue or, or idea, I am an expert of trauma. I am an expert of healing from trauma. And so um, it happens to everyone. Everyone has had things happen to them. And there, and it's almost the same, almost like the tactic of healing is almost the same when you're grieving. You're grieving something in every trauma. And I, I'm 
I just want to be able to create a blueprint because I've created my own and it, it can be hard to follow at times because your emotions can sway so heavy from the highs and the lows and everything. And it's all about being able to get that control, to be able to find hope and have faith. And, and so this is why my purpose, my goals and my future is uh, the reason why I'm studying psychology, neuroscience and therapeutic recreation in combination is because your mindset is what makes a difference. It is the most powerful thing ever. If you don't believe that you can do it, then you already have been defeated because the like majority of the journey is you thinking the goal, you already determining that you're on your way. Um, and so with psychology, I was able to learn the theories and the foundation and the background of psychology and the, the, the disorders and everything. Neuroscience uh, talks more about the biological portion of it and neuroscience in depth goes into trauma and how it reforms the brain and all those um, those pathways, the, the, the neural pathways that connect and form by our behaviors and everything. And therapeutic recreation focuses a lot on self-care. I'm sorry, my little one wants to get something to drink right now, part of momhood. Over here, Madison. Let me get some water. I'm pretty sure every mom who's ever done anything. Yes. I can I can understand this moment here where their children are in dire of thirst and dehydrated to the point where they need to stop what you're doing because they're gonna die of water of dehydration. You guys want to say hi? Say hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hi. Okay. <laughs> Are you two going home and enjoy your toys? Um, and so, as I was saying, with the therapeutic recreation, that focuses a lot on self care and being able to use art and um, some type of hobby as a way of as a way of healing from your depression, your anxiety, negative thinking. So I'll be able to work as a recreational therapist with patients um, directly. And then eventually with the neuroscience, I'll be able to go into neuropsychology where I can work with patients who have dealt with trauma and 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 other and it's there's so many more things that you can go along with that but primarily the motivational speaking part will jump in because i would be able to speak to individuals about their personal traumas and tell them about the the steps that i have taken to get out of that hole that they feel that they're in and so I'm working on that in all aspects. So I want to be able to motivational speak as well as be able to treat and diagnose medically if there's something more serious that I need to look into. So all around, I'm looking at the mental health aspect as a whole, forefront and behind the scenes. That's awesome. I mean, like beyond, you know, awesome and really so important. And I appreciate you. Number one, just taking a time as 
being a busy mom and having three littles um, to take time to come and share on Walking Through Glass, you know, the podcast. And really, it's our stories that not only inspire and empower and transform lives, they actually uplift us to a higher elevated consciousness about who we really are, especially when we share them. And I appreciate you sharing so much of you with us today. I look forward to learning and seeing and more about your amazing single moms group. And more importantly, once future cast dream, um, dare to dream scholarship goes live to seeing even some of those moms apply and seeing what they will, um, actually do with it because the future class, um, future her cast dare to dream scholarship. Um, one thing that we will ask is for people to share what they did and, and tag us, post us for our leadership movement of, of, you know, celebrating. Cause we don't do enough celebrating of ourselves. And so right. it's a moment to pop your collar and say, yeah, I did this. I did me. And it's not about trying <laughs> to be, you know, social media, Susie. It's about looking at, you know, being self-care Suzanne. <laughs> I truly appreciate you. Is there any final thoughts? What would be the the one takeaway of everything you shared, which is so much, and and hopefully you guys got your pen, your paper, your notes, and everything put together. But what would be the one thing that you want all moms out there, especially single moms, to know and even to do? like right now in their lives or, or to, or to understand what would that thing be? Hmm, that is a great question. Something that I would really want all moms to know and do is that take the time to focus on yourself. Like your children are, your children are very important and it is, yes, it is your job to care for them and lead them, but you can't do your best job with that if you're not taking care of yourself. And I feel like in my journey, I was a stay-at-home mom for years, and I felt like I was falling apart, and it was a part of me that was dying inside. And I was living day by day, and I just remember counting the seconds that my spouse would come home because I needed a break. And it was just motherhood was miserable for me because I wasn't doing anything for myself. It felt more like a job and I wasn't enjoying it. And so I would say that it's important for you to take the job aspect out of it and try to make it more fun. Also, self-care, self-care, self-care. If it's... (laughs) like our children yes they they need toys but they don't need that many toys so maybe that week instead of twenty dollars into the new doll maybe take that twenty dollars and go get your nails done um I was definitely that type of mom who was neglecting those things about myself and I'm like oh I'm staying in the house anyway who's gonna see me you see yourself you look in the mirror every day Mm-hmm. And you know what you used to look like. You know how you felt when you, you dressed yourself up and everything. Just take those time to enjoy parts of you. Don't lose you and because you're not only a mother. And that, I think, is the biggest thing of motherhood. It's just making sure you don't forget yourself. Mm, I love that. One of my dear, dear, dear 
friends and um, sisters in thinking and thought. Um, Jacqueline Miller, um, one of the phrases that she's coined is that motherhood is not the place where dreams go to die. And um, I think that's really important. And I like, again, want to say thank you so much. Look forward to seeing more from you. And of course, always cheering for you. And ladies and some gentlemen who actually listen to the show, I truly appreciate you tuning in for this episode of Walking Through Glass, the podcast. And my parting thought is remember that you are fully equipped today with everything that you need to become the greater version of you tomorrow. We're always in this process and that you have the power and the authority to transform your situation. So go forth, be great and embrace the journey. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for walking through glass with us. Bye-bye.